You're listening to Future Voices. Future Voices. From the Scottish Community's Climate Action Network. A podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action from across Scotland. In this episode, Rethinking Waste at Repair Café Glasgow. something to grab that. How am I going to do that? I just need to find another tool. We've all been there. Your blender, your hairdryer or your hoover is packed in and you're told it'll be cheaper to buy a new one than to get it repaired. That's if you can even find a repair shop to break the news. Well across the world people are getting together to exercise their right to repair and they're building community in the process. It's happening right here in Scotland. We bring together people uh, who have repair skills and people who need things fixed. And the goal is to fix as much as possible, to teach people as much new skills as possible and to have some fun in the process. I am Lauren Crilly and I am the events and communications officer at a little organisation called Repair Café Glasgow. So we are a voluntary organisation based at the Kidding Park Complex Community Centre in the south side of Glasgow. We have been running since April and we are doing community repair events at the KPC, the Kidding Park Complex, and also little pop-up events around Glasgow City and further afield sometimes as well. We had a speaker that literally just broken and it was Black Friday and we thought, oh, that's a good deal. And then we thought to ourselves, actually, we should probably look to see if we can repair it first before just automatically replacing it. Uh, and then as it happened, we were talking to my mother-in-law and she said, well, I have a broken lamp. And I was like, brilliant. <laughs> I will take that too. The Repair Cafe is a concept that started in the Netherlands in 2009. Basically, it was started by one woman. She kind of didn't really think it would be as successful and as big as a movement as it currently is. The word really spread really quickly and now there are thousands of repair cafes all over the world. Uh, We are the first repair cafe in Scotland as a part of the international network but they're also all over England. There's one in Belfast and North America, Canada. John who's our project manager even went to a repair cafe in Cape Town this year. We started as a part of a project at KPC, at Kenning Park Complex. We had a little repair cafe working with our social Sundays, uh, which is like a community event for families at the KPC. It was working well, but it, it wasn't quite enough space. There was a lot else going on in the space and people couldn't really focus on exactly what they were doing. So we decided to make the project a bit bigger. So John applied for some funding with the Climate Challenge Fund and we got the funding so we were able to start the project in April, which is kind of an unorthodox way for community projects to begin. We recognise that usually you work for years and years kind of building something up and then you get a bit of funding, but it wasn't that way for us. We were able to kind of hit the ground running with it and do as many events as possible. So John and I are part-time employed, which is really fantastic. We really appreciate that. We get to work on it three days a week. The vision, I think, was basically just to provide a service for people in the community, to bring new skills to the community, and also to just empower people and teach people how to repair. Uh, And it's more about spreading an awareness and an idea as well as it is about fixing the physical items. I feel that repairing is really important. 
it sort of does honor to the actual work that's gone into making the thing in the first place. There's an inherent understanding or inherent behavior around having an object where it becomes something that you own and there's something more about it than its actual constituent parts. And so, say something has a sort of a sentimental value, you can't sort of transpose that onto something else. Having that, that sort of thing go on living or go on working adds more value to it. We kind of condense it to provide social benefits, so to build community through bringing people together through repair, which is a really important part of what we do. The economic benefits as well, so people don't throw things away, they don't buy new things, and then massively the environmental benefits. So we are providing a service for damaged or broken goods, and that's delivered by a team of people in a friendly cafe environment, and it's totally free of charge. And that's an unusual thing. We're not always given the chance to be in spaces where things are for free and you can chat, but that's really important to us to keep it as accessible as possible to everyone. When there's a 52% increase in one year in the use of food banks, any help that you can provide to a community to save them money will affect their outcome and the overall especially when you're talking about expensive pieces of electronics that have got in their house, like their television, or as you've seen, someone was working on a method of heating up food. So these become quite key to help the, the community, but it also encourages people to come out and become part of it. So it, it helps with access, achievement, attainment, inclusion, but it also, I mean, it, it's a place like this is really the only way to combat the isolation of society today, where you can encourage people to come in for a multitude of reasons. And that's what made me quite drawn to the project as well. You're not really just hitting on one thing. There's so many different elements going on. Teaching people new skills, it's intergenerational. There's older people teaching younger people. There's also younger people teaching older people too, because <laughs> that's how that works. It's really just like putting people at the center of the project and empowering people to repair. And I just constantly now have like repair on the brain. I see broken things everywhere now, <laughs> which is fun. So basically here I have my favorite black polo neck jumper that I think the first time somebody bought it, it was probably pretty expensive. <laughs> but when I bought it, um, it was in a charity shop and um, I bought it for three pounds and uh, well it's become my favorite jumper uh, I wear it a lot but I wear it so much that it's formed holes which are fixed and then have formed bigger holes <laughs> so basically now I am repairing these holes with a, a piece of equipment that I've been introduced to today and that's called a speed weave no one comes into the repair cafe and leaves with a sense of like doom and gloom. We're not like drowning in statistics about the environment and climate change. We're actually just teaching people how to repair. And that's obviously on the back of all that stuff. We're thinking about all of that. And those are the conversations we're having with people at the repair cafe. But we're also talking about ways to fight that. And we're doing it, like at the event, we're actually doing it. It's not just talking, and that's really positive.
We'll have a bunch of different repairers who are skilled in fixing electrical goods, electronics, and then we also have repairers who are skilled in fixing textiles. They also kind of all overlap a bit when people bring in, for example, a broken mirror or something like that, and you just kind of have to get in and figure out how to fix it with the tools we have. So people will come into the repair cafe, we'll have a chat, ask them what they've brought in and then we'll match them with a repair that we think would be suited to that repair. Even if you're not doing the repair yourself, you are learning about it. So people who come in and sit down with, for example, a broken laptop, will take the laptop apart. They'll get to see the inside of their laptop, which wouldn't necessarily happen if they just bought it to a repair shop. We talk them through the uh, process of fixing it. They're there and involved as much as possible. And so they learn something. We also have tea and coffee and cakes. We've started doing an Ethiopian coffee ceremony because we have um, Ethiopian and Eritrean volunteers. So we try to bring in as much like communal aspects as possible. So it's not just you're there and like fixing something or learning how it's fixed and it's also a nice friendly warm environment and I guess like cakes never really turn people away from anything. I could have been sitting at home on the couch doing this by myself however here you can come and you can like speak to people that you wouldn't meet by sitting on your couch you can sit and have a cup of tea and yeah it's it's like it's a social occasion and I suppose in the past like communities were built on people like sitting around making things never mind just fixing things so I suppose like for me that's an appeal as well. Because our organisation is new I do think it's people who are already kind of community focused and engaged so a lot of our volunteers came from Mac Lab which closed down a couple of years ago and they were kind of like looking for something else to get involved in and then others we have found through our just our networks that we had already because both John and myself worked at Kinning Park Complex and just knew people who would like to get involved and then through the power of social media I have found a bunch of keen beans as well which has been great through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and the sorts of people they are I think they're just willing to put time into something that isn't money focused there's constant problem solving with community repair. We don't have all the exact right tools and everything has a unique problem. So there are people who love a challenge. Um, So if you love a challenge, come volunteer with us. And people who have a sense of something bigger than themselves as well, who want to put time and effort into something that they know will help other people. Uh, They want to share their skills Obviously, also the environmental impact of throwing things away. When I ask people why do they want to volunteer, they're already quite, I guess, climate aware. They have a high climate literacy. Yeah, all of those things. I've kept coming along because I enjoy fixing and repairing things. I like the social atmosphere. It's been nice to sort of make new friends and have something to do with just sort of reducing waste and and being part of a community. It's a really great community here at Kinning Park. They also get a chance to learn. Uh, We do workshops for our volunteers. 
all of their travel expenses are covered if they've traveled by public transport and there's kind of just a nice camaraderie at the moment I think it's a really nice diverse pretty diverse team of people I will say that there's obviously a big gender imbalance so all our textile repairs they're all women and all our other repairs are all men So one of the things we would like to do is build more diversity in our team. We have some women on board who have taken part in our other workshops. Um, For example, we had a soldering workshop um, and we had our women volunteers who were involved in that. But it would just it would be great to have more women on the team. You can see I have in our office space a little mantra there on the board that says build diversity and strengthen gender equality through skill sharing. So that's something I always just have literally facing me on a daily basis. So hopefully uh, throughout the course of the project, we'll be doing more things that are focused on women and work with organizations that work with women in that capacity to, um, yeah, I think just bridge the gender gap that is very obvious in the world of community repair. If you're feeling motivated to start a repair cafe in your own community, Lauren has some advice. It's very unusual for a repair cafe to have as much funding as we do, and we're very aware of that. But because we do have funding, we can operate on a different level and offer like training and support to our volunteers and have more events and have all these extra things that are events like workshops for free that normal repair cafes with just volunteers don't have. So it really depends on how you want your repair cafe to look like. Um, You can go on to the Repair Cafe Network International website and you can find like a basic pack and how to start a repair cafe. They were really helpful to John when he first wanted to start the organization. So for those people who want to start their own repair cafes, it's really, really possible. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing all the pop-up repair cafes. We would love to be the first in a network of repair cafes because this isn't a problem that's specific to the Kinning Park area at Glasgow. It's a worldwide problem and it needs a worldwide amount of people to solve it. Something the Repair Café volunteers pointed out again and again is that nowadays many things just aren't designed to be fixed. There's a national and an international conversation to be had about how manufacturers can and should help make repair an accessible and attractive option. Things should be serviceable. Now, obviously, end users need to be careful because there's electricity in them. But again, these spaces can be clearly marked what is serviceable and what isn't. But the default model is just to say nothing's serviceable. Again, there are things like the devices in here contain code. And if it's a corruption of the code, how do you replace the code if fair keeping it is proprietary? So again, it's just forcing you to have to, to buy more and obviously fill up the landfill. Most things that come in are often electronic and are often concealed or held together by proprietary screws, so you need special tools. They're also made of plastic. Quite a lot of the casings are clipped together, and so they may look pretty, but they're also designed not to be fiddled or or sort of taken apart, which I guess is one part of keeping them safe, but it's also, it discourages and it makes it difficult to take them apart to actually fix them. You can end up breaking things in order to fix them where you break something else and it sort of defeats the purpose, really. It's not always designed obsolescence sometimes, it's just design laziness and not thinking about the cycles of use. And yeah, I was listening to 
some designers on a podcast recently and one of the guys said that it was against his moral compass because the business he was working for they came up with a really simple solution for whatever project they were working on and they had to then add an extra like two or three uh, weeks of work to wrap it up in complexity so that people couldn't steal their idea because it was that simple it was some sort of you know commercial grade pumps and it was big money. Obviously in that sort of environment is a bit more understandable, but when it trickles down to like consumer products and things and things like this, you just want to sit and watch TV. You're not trying to move millions of liters of water in a short amount of time. And if you were, this is probably why it's broken. Thank you to Lauren Crilly and all the volunteers and users at Repair Cafe Glasgow. Find out more at repaircafeglasgow.org. And if you're feeling inspired to set up a repair cafe in your own community, visit repaircafe.org forward slash en. Thank you for listening to this episode of Future Voices from the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network. If there's something happening in your community that you'd like to share, Find out more and get in touch at scottishcommunitiescan.org.uk. You can also find us on Twitter at scottccan, that's S-C-O-T-C-C-A-N. And on Facebook, just search for Scottish Communities Climate Action Network. This episode was produced by me, Katie Ravel. The music is a track called Gaina by Blue Dot Sessions from their album Azalai. You can find it at sessions.blue and at freemusicarchive.org. Mm-hmm.